Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Thanksgiving is over. How many had good food? Who has put up your Christmas decorations? Who was already listening to Christmas music? Who's been listening to Christmas music since Halloween? Mm-hmm. Who listens to Christmas music all year? Okay, I knew there would be one. All right. So, many of you, most of us have been exposed, even if it was not our choice, right? There's commercials. There's music in stores already. We've heard it, and you've probably heard it. You've probably heard this one. I'm not even going to say the title, but you've probably heard it. Miss Mariah Carey. It's going to get in your head. I am not going to say the lyrics. I am not going to say the name. I'll say the name of the song. All I want for Christmas is you. You know, hopefully you won't be singing it for the rest of the day. But here are some stats about the Queen of Christmas. Fun fact, she tried to trademark Queen of Christmas, and just the other day, she was denied that claim. Like, that happened last week. So somebody else tried to battle her for Queen of Christmas. But according to a 2016 study by The Economist, they determined that Mariah makes about $2.5 million every year on this song since 1994 when it was released. So imagine, at that point in time, they, they had done the math and said it was $60 million, and so we are just trying to use their estimate and assume she's made up to $75 million at this point on one song. Here's some more stats. Last year, December 2021, they discovered that 8 million videos on TikTok used her song sample. And in 2019, she finally hit number one on Billboard. It hadn't been done before. And since then, 2019, 2020, 2021, and yes, she's already back on top at number one as of November 26. So that's four years in a row. She's number one in a 1994 song, guys. Think about this. And here's an interesting story. She didn't really want to make the album at the time because she said back then it wasn't a thing that people just did Christmas music. She said for her, that was kind of the reputation of like, okay, you've run out of original material, now you'll do a Christmas album. So she kind of pushed back when they first suggested it to her. And she did say that she wrote it very quickly, and her favorite line is, I won't even wish for snow. Because she says she always wishes for snow, so that's definitely a sacrifice here in this song. Now, most pop songs catch on because of the music, but today I'm looking at the lyrics. And so I want to note some underlying themes here in Mariah's Christmas song, which I feel make it a universal feeling because it involves waiting, watching, and wondering. She's waiting for a person that she longs to be with. She's watching to see if that person responds positively, and she's wondering, is this person really the one? But waiting and watching and wondering, we can all relate to these feelings. And they're not new themes. In fact, stick with me today, and we're going to try to connect this theme of the song of Mariah Carey 
all the way back to an ancient hymn in the book of Isaiah. We'll see if we can do it. And by the end, we've got one more song tie-in, okay? So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 today. But this is our Christmas series. This theme is called Hark. Uh, Shout out to Shantae for putting this together with an actual hymnal photo that she took. And the hymnal is Steve's home church hymnal, very touching. But the explanatory post on our website says, proclaiming the refrain that changed everything, Jesus, our God, who came to earth. So each week we're going to have a song, some song tie-ins, and I'll try to not to get too many stuck in our heads. But as we suggest, we're going to be looking at Jesus' arrival, and there's so much of it that actually involves singing in Scripture. So we're going to dig in to the Christmas season through song. But today, we've got waiting, watching, and wondering. So let's begin in Isaiah 9. Verse 1 through 2 reads this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So our first theme is waiting. Isaiah lived in the second half of the 8th century BCE as he wrote these words. And we call this a hymn. Because if you look at the way the poetic stanza is is in scripture from verses 2 down to 7, you see it's in a poetic form. And so a poem or a song in praise to God, is a hymn. So this is a hymn of Isaiah. Now at the time, he is writing, and he could be referencing things of his day. But as we know, there's always, when a prophet is speaking, God tends to be communicating with the people of the day, but also communicating into the future. And we find that Jesus and others in the New Testament end up quoting and looking back and connecting Jesus' life with prophecy. So today, we're looking at Isaiah and seeing how Jesus connects. So by the time that Isaiah, he lived in Jerusalem, which was the capital of the kingdom of Judah. At this time, Israel was split into two. There was the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. So there's already heavy distress, this darkness that he speaks of. Israel's gone through it. In fact, Half of them are not even called Israel anymore. There's been a split. There's been pain. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem, which you can kind of see in the green there, is capital of Judah. So there he is in the south. And then he lived through four different kings. He references them in Isaiah 1 and says the four different kings of Judah that he's been part of. Most of them were good. One of them, it says he did evil in the sight of God. But by the time that he wrote his final words, All of that in the red up top, orange red, that was gone. As they've been taken over by God's enemies, mainly the Assyrians, and that no longer belonged to God's people. Isaiah watched this happen. And a lot of the green on the map, by the time Isaiah ended his final words, that was gone too. Jerusalem was like the last holdout. So Isaiah is speaking these words, and you see that some of it he has warned people about in the book. 
However, saying it and watching it happen are two different scenarios. And Patricia Toll, who is a former professor, a minister in the Presbyterian Church, she said such ancient trauma, they can easily go overlooked because we already know the rest of the story. We look at history and we know how it turned out. We know that the Jewish people are living in Jesus' time. We know that Jesus came on the scene. But she's like, in that moment, you have to realize it was traumatic that people lost land, people lost loved ones, people lost their history and their homes. And we studied a couple years ago about how the people of God were taken captive. And so we know more pain is still to come after Isaiah speaks these words. So when we read about darkness, I want us to feel the heavy weight of darkness that they are under and how much you would long for that light. And I can imagine, just as we sang, do you think God's people prayed similar prayers? To say, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises time and again, you've proven you'll do what you said. Did God's people speak to Yahweh and say, you promised. Speak his promises back to him. You promised Abraham, and you promised here in Isaiah. Don't forget your promises. In his gospel, Matthew described Jesus as fulfilling Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2. If we look in Matthew 4, it says, Leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And there he quotes again, The people living in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew was trying to show his Jewish people, his neighbor, his friends, to say, look, all these scriptures we've memorized since we were kids, this man, this man who is also God, is fulfilling it. It's who we've been waiting for. But everyone who is watching Jesus not everyone grasped at the time that Jesus really did fulfill this prophecy. Watching, that's our next theme. Verses 3 through 5 of Isaiah 9 continue on in our hymn. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. The Jewish people are waiting for God to turn the darkness to light. They're watching for signs of this to happen. Here in these verses, we see some signs. That the, that the tools of the oppressors are going to be shattered, that, that the evidence of war, the blood, the boots, that they're just going to be burned. This is symbols of justice and righteousness, and Isaiah continues to speak of it throughout his scroll. These are the concepts that God was bringing. This was the light that they were longing for. So we have the concept of light and darkness, and here's some physical attributes of what that should look like. It should look like justice and righteousness for God's people. Imagine 
how every new leader who came on the scene, God's people looked around and watched and prayed, O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. I can imagine that they were just hoping the next leader was the chosen one. By the time Jesus was on the scene, as he's an adult, as he's beginning his ministry, his generation takes their turn to watch, waiting for God to send the light, watching to see who he would send. He promised a Messiah. He promised a Redeemer. Who is this person? In Jesus' day, we know that they were feeling the heavy darkness of Rome governing them. And as Jesus began his ministry, suddenly he's on the radar. They start to watch. And a year ago, we read in Luke 4 that Jesus stepped into the synagogue one day. Happenstance, right? Oh, the scroll happens to be open to Isaiah 61. And he reads these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus had the audacity to say, this is being fulfilled right here in your presence. Jesus drops the mic. He claims it right here, that he's fulfilling Isaiah 61. He said, this is who I am. And you see those same themes that we saw in the verses of Isaiah 9. There's justice. There's righteousness. And Jesus says, that's what I came for. But they didn't get it. The people tried to push him off a cliff when he said that. People watching were like, you're not who we expected. We don't believe you. And that gets us to our final piece. When you wait and then you watch for the answers and then you see something and you start to wonder, is this really the answer? So now they're wondering and some people are looking at Jesus and making their decisions. They're wondering, is he the one? Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, probably some familiar words. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This scripture might be something you've heard in past Christmases. As we said, people had been waiting and watching for God to send someone to redeem. And I'm sure that every potential child who had leadership capacity, can you imagine parents singing this hymn over their crib? Like, maybe it'll be you. But God's people, every time we're wondering, are you the promise? redeemer they wonder these verses from isaiah they're not quoted in any birth stories from matthew mark or luke so why do we start singing about this why is it put to song why do we hear these words at christmas time well we already saw jesus himself said i fulfilled isaiah 61 just before he died 
you can read in Luke chapter 22 that Jesus told the disciples he was about to fulfill another Isaiah prophecy from chapter 53, verse 12. Jesus said he was going to pour out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. And the words right after that said, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The whole chapter, because Jesus quotes one verse and he wants his disciples to dig back in and read the whole chapter describing someone making sacrifice. And Jesus indicated he was about to make a sacrifice for humanity's sin. He was going to redeem people, yes, but not in a military way, not in a, the government was a very symbolic way. He wasn't going to just make it happen for Israel. He was going to redeem all humanity spiritually. And by the end of his life, Jesus' followers truly realized he was the son of God. He had fulfilled these hymns of Isaiah 61 and 53, and now they could dig back. And they could look in the scripture that they had memorized since they were kids, they had studied, and they could find where Jesus fulfilled other prophecies. So though not spoken aloud, Isaiah 9, Jesus fulfilled that hymn as well. He was a wonderful counselor. He was mighty God, though he was human. He was an everlasting father, prince of peace. That baby born to Mary and Joseph fulfilled these words as well. So the people had been waiting and watching, and now they don't have to wonder. And because of his redemption, we can sing, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let our, us find our rest in thee. All of the songs we sang today, that can be our prayers it reflects the way God's people have always been waiting and watching and wondering. And we think, okay, so the Christmas story is like a familiar song that you hear every year. Why does it matter? Why do we keep celebrating it? It's about his birth. It's not his actual death, which we said is the, the victory of death and resurrection over our sin and over death. But this lays a foundation because at his birth, suddenly, this process of fulfillment began. And an ancient hymn and the future people who would come after, Jesus connected it all. And so we celebrate now and enjoy some warmth and songs and lights. And Jesus' birth was just the beginning. But this gives us a foundation to why it mattered, why it mattered to people then, why it matters to us today. But it said we had one more song to examine. Isaiah 9 and other hymns from Isaiah were put into musical form in a way you're probably familiar. The oratorio known as Messiah by the composer Handel. We played it during our greeting time earlier. So you could hear a choir sing it. I had quoted or sing it for you. That doesn't work. The choir has to bring it forth. They sing for, uh, to us. A child is born and it builds and it builds into a wonderful counselor the mighty God. Do you hear those that tune when you read these words? Fun fact I learned this week, Handel didn't write the words. Charles Jennings pieced together scripture, and he included Isaiah 9 and some other pieces of Isaiah. 
He used the wording taken from the King James Version and also from the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. And then he sent them to his friend. And apparently they collaborated on a number of works that we think of the music. And honestly, the music is what sticks the words in my head. I don't know about you. But when I hear a song, that's how I learn uh, words and scripture really well. The song was originally, or Messiah, the entire work, was originally released for Easter in 17, I think it's 62, I forgot to write that down. But someone turned it into an Advent piece at one point, and then that really caught on. And we can imagine why, because after this glorious song from Isaiah 9, the next piece is a melody about Luke 2. So Charles Jennings, he connected it. He connected it right there. And so no wonder we hear about this prophecy and now a birth. And he was speaking some theology there, putting it in people's mouths to sing. But Jennings and Handel didn't create their piece wondering if Jesus was the Messiah. Their piece was meant to be wonder of Jesus the Messiah. And so this waiting, this watching, this wondering, it's not just in songs, it's in our life, isn't it? The reason why we can connect to songs with this longing in them, whether it's an old hymn or a Mariah Carey song, is because we feel it in this life. I am sure there's something right now you're waiting on an answer for. You're waiting and you're praying and you're probably watching and saying, God, are you hearing me? Do you even notice? Do you care? We're waiting and watching and then wondering with every little thing. When you are waiting on an answer, doesn't everything you happen, you're like interpreting. Is that it? Is that my answer? Is that the message from God? And so we just spend all this time wondering and it's, it's kind of exhausting. And it's very tricky to know. And yet we find ourselves in the place time and again And so I just have a couple of questions for us. For one is just, as we wait and watch for something that we're praying for, are we seeing what we want to see? Or are we seeing what God's actually showing us? Because, whew, I fall into that first category all the time. Confirmation bias, it's quite natural. I want to see this, so that is what I'm looking for. I'm tuning everything else out. I mean, that's what algorithms are based on, right? You like this? Do you want to see more of this? That's all you're going to see. You accidentally hover on a guy dressed as a dinosaur cleaning out his gutters on Instagram, and they're going to show you 56 more reels with the same guy doing the same thing. Um, I might have heard that from experience. Um, so basically, what we want to see, we look for. We see, we notice, and yet we have to stop and make a conscious effort to say, what is out there? What lesson is God trying to teach us? We're praying and waiting and watching and wondering. My friend Meg Trishler, she's the directional pastor just up the street at University Christian Church, and she had a post the other day that really struck me. She said, I go to God looking for answers about the details and the direction of my life, but mostly I find that the going to God part somehow becomes the answer. So I think our biggest challenge this season every season, is as we're waiting, as we're watching, as we're going to God and wondering if he would give us an answer, maybe that going and that looking to Jesus 
is the answer, at least a piece of it. And I hope we find that Jesus centers our answers. And I hope and pray that our wondering can turn to wonder. It's a little twist. Sometimes we get so distracted wondering and wondering and wondering that we forget the majesty, forget the glory. And so I hope at some point in this season, we find a little wonder. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for giving us songs, giving us ways to put your words, your hymns in scripture in our hearts. And we thank you also for caring about what we're waiting for. Allow us, Lord, the strength to keep waiting and watching. And God, we just thank you for your patience as we strive to look to you for answers. You are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.